All right. Welcome back to the podcast. So um, I did say I'll be keeping this up every Friday. So here we are. Now, before I move on, um, I just wanted to say thanks for tuning in. And if you like the podcast, I want to make another push towards just getting some reviews onto iTunes or um, wherever you're listening, Spotify, um, SoundCloud, um, some reviews, some five-star ratings would be fantastic. Um, increases the exposure of the podcast. I get these emails every now and again from companies like Chartable to say that my podcast is X number in the charts in like Poland or Norway or something like that, which is great. One time in the whole of South Korea, which is fantastic. So uh, it all helps. It helps exposure for the podcast. I think ultimately I'm probably still most popular in the US and in the UK. So um, if you get a chance, you know, um, definitely go ahead and give it a five-star review. Quite a few of you guys and girls, you'll slide up in my DMs and you'll say you enjoy it. And that really means a lot to me. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, so let's crack on with today's podcast. So today's podcast, I'm going to discuss a video that I made for my YouTube. And it's to do with, well, that, but also what that video, where that video came from. Um, and in doing so, I want to give you guys an update on my cut that I started, I think, two months ago now. So, um, yeah, it, it all kind of ties in. And I'll, I'll well, let's go through the timeline and see where we're at firstly. So about uh, two months ago now, I said that I would be starting a cut. So, yeah, about two months ago, I said I'd be starting a cut. And uh, at the time, I was about 86 kilos. So I kind of bulked from 80 to 86 over the course of six months. It was a really, really successful book. And as you guys know now, I now since I hit 40, I've been wanting to keep along the, the smaller, light, lighter, leaner range. So I'm at 80 kilos, I'm right on that 25 BMI, which is sort of the cutoff for being healthy. So 86 is not great. And I know people argue about BMI, but you know, it's still a decent, it's still a decent measure. It's not the only measure that I use, but it's still a decent measure. So anyway, anyway, um, I had bulked up to 86 back in sort of March or whenever, um, from March till about November. And then November, I started a cut. And here we are now in January, about midway through. So I've gone back down from about 86 to 80, well, actually 79 kilos. In, uh, in freedom terms, that's about 180 pounds, I think, 180-ish dropped from about 192 to about 180 pounds yeah and then about so that went relatively fast and relatively effortlessly um i started off for the first few weeks using my mostly my regular diet which is a small amount of meat probably about a third of my plate to a quarter of my plate is meat um another quarter is legumes or beans Another quarter would be um, more fibrous carbs, and possibly the final quarter would be potatoes. So that's like usually a typical plate for me. And what I started to do was I just started to implement some fasting. So the first four weeks, really just fasting once or twice a week for 24 hours, and it worked out tremendously well. Dropped from 86 down to 82 pretty quickly. Now, at that stage, I found some problems with my appetite, and that was an issue for me because. I mean, I, I, might be, I might be in a fairly sort of, um, I don't know, 
how I want to call this, like privileged position, but I, do, I don't find much use in dieting when it's very difficult. <laughs> and that sounds like a really silly thing to say, but I have dieted a lot in the past and I want to have an approach to dieting, which is very long-term. I can't really see myself doing something which is, which is just going to be a pain in the butt. Um, I, I just don't want dieting to be that hard anymore. And so I was quite sort of curious once I hit 82, like, why am I finding this so difficult right now? You know, now partly that was like level of leanness, but then also it shouldn't have been that hard because I wasn't that lean. And so what I decided to do was I decided to um, go to a ketogenic diet in an effort to delay some of the cravings for not just cravings for food, but also the struggle that I was having with fasting because I wasn't finding the fast to be particularly easy, which is, an, which is not normal for me. Okay. During the fast, normally I feel pretty good. Um, but after the fast, I was just getting ravenously hungry. So I thought there's something off here. My appetite is off. And that's the main focus of what we're talking about today. The appetite is the big thing. I was just finding the appetite was clashing with my goals and that wasn't cool. It wasn't fun. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the time, Coaches will tell people to just power through it. Like just, you know, you've made a commitment to yourself. You've made a promise to yourself, so power through it. And that's fine. You know, some of that is useful. Some of that accountability is useful. But also, there is the very real physiological um, sort of, the real physiological sort of addiction to food, which I think if you know what you're doing, you can offer people a way of breaking out of that. And that's kind of what I'm talking about today and what I did. So anyway, let's get back to the story. I went on to this ketogenic diet and I was there, did keto for about, I think, four weeks altogether. But anyway, one of the first striking things that I noticed was within four to five to six days, first week at least, my cravings went right down. So that was a big bonus. Okay, cravings went right down. Essentially, I was eating mostly meat, eggs, and uh, some small amounts of fibrous carbs. So very lean vegetables like um, broccoli, cauliflower, some green beans. That's it, really. So I was I was in ketosis you know, pretty much. Um, and I was having some fiber from some small amounts of veg. Veg was probably at about four to 500 grams a day. So not a massive amount, nothing close to what I normally eat. So normally, I would be, I'd be eating more like a kilo, kilo and a half of, of fruit and veg a day. So yeah, the first thing was I noticed a massive downgrade and downshift in appetite, which was great. Okay. So I lost a further two-ish kilos doing that. And that was great. That was nice. Um, and I thought I was just going to carry on following the keto diet right the way down because the first, you know, three or four weeks felt fantastic, right? And I was in ketosis. I was definitely in ketosis. I felt very stable. I felt very good. Um, you know, I just wasn't eating any carbs whatsoever. I, I had sort of ummed and awed about doing more of a cyclical approach. I don't really like the idea of a cyclical approach to keto. Um, cyclical keto, keto CKD is um, where you basically have a day of overeating, well, day of eating carbs on the weekend normally, just to carb up for the rest of the week. I didn't really like that idea because it just didn't, it, it didn't really aim to fix the problem that I was having in the first place, which was cravings. Like that would just spike my cravings. And I also didn't like the more finicky idea of doing a TKD, which is a targeted keto, where you basically have about 
25 to 50 grams of carbs directly before your training session, just to give you a bit more energy. The problem that I was encountering about three or four weeks in was a lack of energy for workouts, which really sucks. Like I hate that. I'm used to going in the gym and just absolutely smashing it. I can go for like an hour and a half, just pounding set after set after set. And that feels good to me because I don't have a particularly active lifestyle outside of that. I train in the gym four times a week and I run once a week. So five days, I'm pretty active. Two days, I kind of rest and relax. Now, if it was getting to the point where because of the keto diet, I just wasn't very active in the gym. Like I was, I was like tapping out and, and gassing out at about 45 minutes. And for those of you who've been on a keto diet, you'll, you'll know what I mean about gassing out. There's just nothing left. You hit a wall and it's just, you're just done. And that was psychologically very difficult for me to handle because it just sucked, you know. It just, it just didn't feel great, basically. Especially with my running, it didn't feel great. So anyway, I decided to add some carbs back in and I decided to do this in a fairly um, systematic way, but I'll talk about that another time. I added in just fruit. So for the past week or so, I've been eating essentially what amounts to the keto diet, but with some fruit. Uh, about About 500 grams of fruit per day. So my total fruit and veg intake is now back up over a kilo, which is where I like it. And I feel good on that. Energy is back. Training is a lot better. Almost immediately training, you know, picked right up. So I usually have about, yeah, mostly, you know, mangoes, um, berries, like strawberries, blueberries, and then some banana. So it's a nice mix of, of fruit alongside the vegetables that I'm eating, as well as the meat and eggs. So anyway, training intensity is back up. Um, fat loss has stalled. Well, body weight has stalled for about a week. Obviously, it would do because I added carbs back in. But I found the appetite suppression is still there. And that's kind of the aim of what I was discussing in the video. And let's get around to the point of this podcast. Now, is how do you make dieting effortless? Right? How do you do it? Now, I'm talking about long term dieting. Okay, because if you bear in mind the the gist of what I was trying to do was I was trying to make dieting effortless. I don't I can't really afford the mental space of having to think about diet and willpower my way through diet because I work with people a lot. So I have a whole bunch of clients. Um, still room for more, by the way. <laughs> if you want to sign up, uh, check out my website, fastlift.com. So I've got my clients, but I've also got a ton of social media work. So that's basically it. You know, when you're when you're in this kind of industry for yourself, that's essentially what it is. I don't have anyone that I work with. I have some people that I collaborate with on a few things like um, Steve Shaw from Massive Iron. But essentially, I push it all myself. All the Instagram work you see, the YouTube, the podcast, that's all me. Everything, all, all the other platforms I want, it's all me. So you have to have a, a clear mind. So I don't want to be hungry all the time because it's not very good for your creativity. So I, I've sort of want to touch upon how do you make dieting more effortless long term? That's the key. And I've, I came up with some mechanisms for why we have this food addiction and how we can free ourselves from food addiction in this YouTube video that I did yesterday. So yeah, I think anyone can sort of power through a diet for, you know, six to 12 weeks, even like two to 12 weeks. But depending on your sort of how you do the diet and your previous addiction to food, that will probably be one of the factors which determines how easy it is to keep the diet off, keep the weight off. And this is not something we really discuss a lot. Like in the literature, it's not something we discuss a lot. You know, we look at 
diet success rates, we look at diet failure rates, and we look at things that successful dieters do, like they eat more protein, they eat more vegetables, blah, blah, blah. But we don't actually look at the mechanisms for other mechanisms which can help us in terms of ridding ourselves from this addiction to food. And I think there's a definitely something there. I know, well, I know there is because I, I had it before. The way that I eat now, like just the way that I default to eating now is very different to the way that I defaulted um, to eating when I was a kid. In fact, it's a funny, funny anecdote. I remember when I was a kid um, and I just got my first job. I think I was working at this, um, this uh, clothes store for you Americans. It's a clothes store called Next. It's a department store. And I got it as a summer job, um, you know, in between college and stuff. And so one day my mum had made me some food, right? And um, I told her, like, I want something kind of healthy. So she made me, I was really young. I was like 17 or whatever. And uh, she, she'd made me some food. <laughs> this is the time when I was, I was still quite overweight, you know, and I think I was quite addicted to food. And so anyway, she made me some, some plain sauteed, you know, spiced seasoned chicken, as well as some plain vegetables, right? And so <laughs> I, remember, I remember this so vividly. It's over 20 years ago, but I remember sitting down in the canteen and I opened up my lunch and I warmed it up in the, in the microwave and I took a bite of it. <laughs> I just had this overwhelming feeling of depression. I was like, God, this tastes awful. And then my next thought was, what have I done to my mum to deserve being treated like this? <laughs> so I asked her about it when I got home and she's like, well, you know, you wanted to be healthy. And I remember that sort of stuck with me for years and years. But the funny thing is, like there was nothing wrong with that meal. In fact, it would be a default meal right now. I would eat it right now and I would enjoy the taste. I would be able to taste every separate piece of vegetable in that meal. I'd be able to taste the texture of the chicken. It wouldn't taste just like cardboard. The problem wasn't with the meal. The problem was with me, right? And how then, and also like you think about it, like I've changed that much over the years. So I've kind of reset my palate so I can enjoy the flavors and the textures of real food. Back when I was a kid, like 17, 18, whatever, because I was just so used to eating at an out of control way, everything has to be seasoned so massively. So my, pal my palate was just ruined. So what should have been a nice meal made by a loving mother <laughs> actually just tasted like cardboard. But that's not normal, is it? I think when, when normal, regular whole foods taste awful and bland, that's a problem. When hyperpalatable foods like pizza, you know, all that, all that stuff, all the chocolate, when all of that is just normal, then that's a problem, right? So we have we have this situation where our palate is so hypersensitive that <laughs> that that reg, regular great food for us just tastes, you know, all actually awful, actually offensive. And so that's kind of what this, this video is about. And I, I broke down how that occurs. And I think, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to go into all that right now, but I'd encourage you to go and watch that video on, on YouTube. Um, just have a look at what it's called. I called it, I called it Picky Eaters. Yeah, Picky Eaters. So that was me when I was younger. That was what the, the video is called, Picky Eaters. And it's a 16 minute video, just it goes through all that. But anyway, I wanted to talk about strategies for how to fix that because if that's you or if you just feel like your willpower starts to wane on a diet and you just crave those foods which you want but are more highly calorific or you just find a struggle to eat foods which you know 
you know, other people, other quote unquote healthy people like to eat, but you just find it a struggle. Then I offered a couple of solutions on how to fix that. And one of them was, well, they both were things that I've done this diet to make the dieting process easier. And that's sort of the gist of this, um, this podcast. So about, you know, four weeks ago, I went onto the ketogenic diet and I also carried on doing my fasting. Those are two ways which you can use to reset your palate. Now, as a consequence, in two, in four uh, weeks, I've lost a further four pounds, right? But the difference is I'm finding it easier now. And that's a big difference. Like I'm not finding it a struggle. I'm not struggling day to day with my food simply because I've done a period of ketogenic dieting and um, it has essentially ameliorated my cravings. And I also, it's also made the fasting easier. So it has a sort of a symbiotic relationship. I think the fasting helps, but then in between the fasting phases, if you're doing something which is not particularly conducive towards lowering your appetite, like I think I was potentially eating too many potatoes and whatever else, right? Then you're always going to have that struggle. So I think people do this, right? People will go on a, on, will we'll start some fasting and um, they'll either, if, even if they can get through the fast, they might find that after a while, the cravings just get too much. Now they'll go ahead and blame the fast. They'll be like, okay, you know, the fast did this to me. I didn't eat for 24 hours. So now I'm really, really hungry. Whereas probably what might be happening and what happened with me is it wasn't the fast. The fast was suppressing my appetite. Great. It's just that in between the fasts, I wasn't eating foods which were particularly conducive towards continuing to lower appetite. And that's what the real problem was. So you can blame the fast, sure. But in my experience, I know it's not the fast that's the problem. The problem is much more so that it's what you're doing in between the fast, what I was doing in between the fast, which was spiking my appetite. And so I proved that because when I went to the ketogenic diet, as the base of my eating alongside some fasting, my appetite went right down. And even now, as I've just reintroduced some fruit, my appetite is still down. So the two suggestions that I make to sort of resensitize your palate are to do with fasting, but also to do with going potentially exploring the idea of going on a ketogenic diet. Now, I'm not saying this for everyone, and obviously this is not medical advice, you know, check it out with your doctor and all that kind of stuff for both things. But just to give you my experience, I found it really lowered cravings. It just made my energy far more stable. Whenever I go back to the ketogenic diet, there's a period of about two, three, four weeks where I feel amazing. Then I get the inevitable sort of downshift in um, training intensity, which doesn't feel good. But outside of the gym, excuse me, outside of the gym, I feel great. And that's a big, big benefit. So that helps a hell of a lot. And I think that's something that people can play around with. Even if it's just for like, even if you're like me in long term, like, you know, medium term, three to four weeks, your training goes to shit, you can at least get some, derive some of the benefits from having just a, a more stable level of energy, better blood sugars, um, and and potentially a lowering of your appetite, or at least a, a increasing of your ability to control your cravings and just not really want food as much. Because that's a big benefit, you know. This is kind of what I said right at the beginning of the video. I don't want to have to struggle anymore to, or well, I don't have to struggle that much. Obviously, I have a good degree of self-control, but I don't have to struggle that much or feel hungry on a regular basis unless I'm at the point where I'm getting really lean, like stage lean.
you know, which um, I can't see me doing any point in the near future. But um, to hold like a good level of leanness that I'm at now, I'd like that to be sustainable for life because I don't want to have to always be struggling for my diet. So those are two very, very powerful tools which you can use to sort of reset your diet palette, reset you know your, your ability to control yourself. But also it has another side effect. Another side effect is everything tastes better. You know, there's that. Like <laughs> one thing that has been clearly evident to me, because I'm yeah, let me, let's talk about benefits. Let's not talk about just not negatives. Because I think there's, not negatives, but there's also actual benefits. One thing that's been amazing to me recently has been since I've introduced the fruit back over the last week, fruit tastes unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. Like every piece of mango is just amazing. Bananas, strawberries um, just taste fantastic. The meat that I eat, the vegetables that I eat, they all actually have a distinct flavor to them. And here's another thing that I found. Diet Coke. <laughs> you know when you've been on a keto diet for, I mean, I was only on it for three or four, uh, for four weeks, but even then, Diet Coke tastes so sweet. It's incredible. Like before this, you know, I was, that my palate had been desensitized again and Diet Coke just tasted a little bit fizzy. But that's about it. But right now it actually tastes incredibly sweet. I was out for dinner with some friends um, about a week or so ago and the waitress brought over my Diet Coke and I actually had to double check with her that it was diet. And even when I'm at home and I've got the bottle of Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke right next to me, and I take a sip of Diet Coke, I have to go down and check the bottle to see if it is diet because it tastes so incredibly sweet to me. And it didn't do before. For some of you guys listening at home, you know, you might be thinking, yeah, well, Diet Coke does taste sweet. And that's fine. But my point is, for me, it didn't before. It tastes noticeably, noticeably sweeter now which is a really strange thing to experience, but it, it means my palate is resensitized. And again, it means that I'm more able to enjoy the things which are good for me. Like, wouldn't it suck to go through life and just think, okay, well, you know, these are the foods that I've got to eat to stay the way that I want to stay and look, but I actually don't like eating them. But that's kind of where a lot of people are because they insist on always eating foods which desensitize their palates. So, I mean, there are, I mean, I've talked about this before. There are coaches out there who make their entire careers out of saying, hey, I'm going to teach you how to lose weight while eating pizza. And it sounds like a great slogan, right? It sounds great. Like, hey, have pizza every week, have ice cream every week. The problem with that approach is what you're doing is you're desensitizing your palate. So every other meal that isn't pizza and ice cream tastes worse in comparison. So these coaches, these sort of well-meaning idiots, they mean well, I'm sure. It's a good marketing slogan. They get a lot of clients and they get a lot of good results because, again, within six to 12 weeks, anyone could do anything, right? But long-term, what, what kind of results are you actually getting? Are you able to keep the weight off long-term while continuing to insist on having your pizza and ice cream on a rigid schedule every week, twice a week, so that every other meal tastes worse in comparison, or you have to constantly spice things up, or you're constantly having to just be hemmed in by your calories. You can never just eat effortlessly for fat loss. I think it's a, I think it's a trade-off which I'm willing to take. I don't ever schedule in regular cheap meals anymore. Like, If I'm going out for dinner, sure, I'll eat on the menu. Great, I'll enjoy myself. If it's a birthday party, sure. You know, I mean, I keep it in, I keep it under control, but because birthday parties, when you have a lot of nephews and nieces like I do, tend to come around quite often. But yeah, you know, if I'm out for an occasion, I'll enjoy myself. 
Um, and if there's something on the menu that I like the look of, I'll enjoy myself. But other than that, I, it seems very self-defeating to constantly put these foods like pizza and ice cream and all that kind of stuff on this pedestal to say, hey, these guys, these, oh, these are just, you know, are in, it's, it's a whole marketing approaches for diet coaches are centered around these foods just on this pedestal. You can still eat pizza and diet. Yeah, you can. It's no secret anymore. You know, calorie counting is not voodoo. You know, like we know how it works. But the point is, should you? Or are you making life harder for yourself? And I'm not saying that's going to happen for everyone, but certainly for me, it's one of those cases where pizza isn't as nice as having the rest of my week being enjoyable is. Like I would rather not desensitize my palate and enjoy my regular food because I, right now, I love every single meal. I don't look forward to having pizza or ice cream or anything. I like the food that I eat. I very much enjoy it. And I'm still dieting. And that's a far better way to diet. It's a far better compromise. And I know that once I finish dieting, wherever that might be, um, I'm not going to blow back up because it's just not going to be a big shift for me. I'll introduce some foods very carefully, maybe introduce larger portions of uh, fruit, maybe larger portions of meat, etc. But it's not going to be a difficult transition back to a regular diet. And I think effortless fat loss is worth that. It It really is a bit of a clown show sometimes when you get these diet coaches, well-meaning idiots who they just plaster pizza and burgers all over their Instagram. And, you know, they, they call themselves health-focused coaches, which I think I just find it, it's either incredibly short-sighted or it's, it's just very, um, it's just very bad marketing techniques. I don't know. As I say, for me, the trade-off is just better to enjoy all my food rather than put certain foods on a pedestal and just get through the rest of it. I just don't think that's a, a great compromise. So anyway, I'm going to call it there, guys. I'm going to remind you once again to um, um, drop me a five-star review on iTunes. Um, also, get in touch. You know, If you like my podcast, if you enjoy the content, I always like to hear from you guys, but um, it's it's nice. Sign up to my YouTube if you're not already. YouTube is just Fazlifts, you know, on YouTube. Just do a search for it and you'll find me. Um, I'm going to start becoming more active on Twitter and LinkedIn and stuff like that as well. But um, follow me on Instagram, Fazlifts. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. And I will speak to you guys. Oh, one more thing. <laughs> ah, I should have said this earlier because I know most of you would have switched off by now. But if you go to my website, Fazlifts.com, you can sign up to my newsletter. And I also send an email out every Friday as well. So that's something else you can do to get a bit more content. All right, you lovely people, have a great weekend.